There was a prophecy that was given recently. It was actually given in Jerusalem, but it's um, so relevant. I want to read it to you all. In our Jerusalem, wherever your Jerusalem is, lift your vision high. We are in a way that we've never been before. Lift your vision higher and you will see the glory of the Lord. For without a progressive vision, you will run aimlessly. Without a vision, the people perish. Ipso facto, with a vision, anything is possible. I was in um, Lincoln a few weeks ago. And if I had been there just a year before, uh, the people were really struggling, disheartened, and um, really at a low ebb. When I was there just the other week, the place wasn't just uh, full. They've got shops, they've got ministry, they've got the favor of the council. Uh, they had a, uh, they've got a house of prayer. And I was there particularly, we were focusing on Israel and so on. And the place is absolutely on fire. And... Um, the guy who'd invited me, I knew him from when he was a young man, and he was married, and then very sadly, his wife died when they'd only been married a few years. A deep tragedy, and what do you do with things like that? Do you say, as we heard earlier, there's no God, or do you say, though you slay me, I'll still trust you, that you will work everything everything for good and I'm not going to lose my faith I'm not going to lose my vision I'm going to keep on going with you and so when I was with Tim and I just said to him well it's been a blessing just being with you and also Tim to see how you and your family had uh, two young children at the time have just so gone on with God and the blessing of God is upon you it's upon the fellowship, it's upon what you're doing. And the Bible tells us sometimes it's through much affliction, it's through much hardship that we enter into the kingdom of God. Some people believe that you will never have to have hardship and trials. But actually, I know for me, without my trials and without my testings, I would never be in the place where I am now. I've hated every test. I've hated every trial, but without a test, there's no testimony. And I thank God for my own life, for my testimonies. And I just love hearing the testimonies of God's people. And it's a good thing we're not doing it today, but you know that we need more testimony. We're going to have some great testimonies soon. Next time it's arranged this way, I think it's going to be for some baptisms. Praise God. And maybe God is speaking to other people as well about being baptized. It's not just a thing we do. That that makes us different to other denominations or whatever. Baptism is about your public declaration. That you no longer live. But Christ lives in you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Lord God Almighty. The creator of heaven and earth. The maker of all things has a definite plan for you. Glory to God. 
I 100% believe that. I don't believe that there's a person on this planet that God does not have a plan for. In fact, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, it says, There is a light that lighteth every man that comes into the world. And when people say, well, you know, I've I've never had any knowledge of God, something has extinguished that light in them. But also, and this is so important, what I want to share today, for Christians, we're taking too much information from this world and from this culture and from our society and peer pressure and all of that rather than from the word of God. Now, I stand here, and I've said this many times, but it is my testimony. I am here because God revealed to me that the Bible is the word of God. He revealed it to me when I was 18, when I was studying theology. Suddenly, what was up there was irrelevant, but what was in here was life eternal. It was my call and my destiny. And it's been with me all those years since, all those 20 years since. (laughs) Well, a few more. (laughs) Too many mathematicians here. But God has a lot. Do you know, if you have ever, and I know a few people here, if you've ever studied uh, philosophy, and you you go back into ancient times, go back into uh, Greek and so on, and uh, we read what the great philosophers taught then, and since that time, there's two basic questions that they seek to answer. Just two basic questions. The first one is this. What is the good life? What is the good life? And everybody asks that question. What's the good life for you? Because out of your answer to what is the good life, that brings us to the second question. How then should we live? So for instance, you may say, what's the good life? Well, the good life for me is to get as much money as I can. I want to be so wealthy I don't have to worry about anything. Well, uh, us who are a bit longer in the tooth or haven't got many teeth, (laughs) we know that that doesn't work. How many times can we say about the rich and famous that we see that they are, but there's like a shooting star, they're there for a moment and it's gone. So what is the good life? Now the good life Jesus came to show us what the good life was all about. And he made a unique claim. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And he said that he'd come to give us life. And to give us it more abundantly. 
And so sometimes when things start to happen in your life and you try and reason with your mind and try and get answers with your mind, you don't get them. There's no one, people will try, but there's no one who can give you an answer to every single question, problem, and so on. But what we can do, 100%, is we can point people in the right direction of the one who holds the answer to absolutely everything. And when we point people to the Lord, and when you, as we saw in that little clip earlier, when you make the right choice, see the bottom line is, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you grow up in a community which causes that light within you to get brighter and brighter and stronger and stronger, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean that you on your own will just let that light in you get brighter and stronger. And we see many people who move away from the light and they move then into darkness. And sadly, we all know of people who once walked in fellowship and the light of life and the light of truth who now walk in another pathway, a lesser pathway, a wrong pathway. And Jesus said this, that it's, there's a broad and there's a narrow way. And the choice is yours, whether you walk on that broad way, where all the influences of this world and the goals of this world and the world telling you how you can live and how you can get the best things out of life and so on. Or you can walk on the narrow way. And the narrow way, you'll be mocked. The Bible tells us quite clearly, all who want to live righteous and holy lives will be persecuted. You'll be mocked. And I know because I've had many testimonies from people here how it's been hard being a Christian, even in their own homes. But you know, it's so wonderful just as I've seen people go into the pathway of darkness. It's so blessed to see so many more going in the pathway of holiness and righteousness and truth and light and life and power. Hallelujah. Who knows if you were not raised up for such a day as this. Now, you mightn't be called to be a preacher or a teacher, but you are called to let your light shine. And I thank God for the testimonies of so many people who come to faith in Christ, not through great uh, preaching or teaching, but through the faithfulness of those in their own family who do love the Lord. And sometimes they've had to wait a long time to see their loved one come back to Christ or come to Christ. Bottom line is this, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of this world. Now if you choose to live in the kingdom of God, it makes demands on you that this world doesn't make. If you want to belong to this kingdom of this world, you can live whatever life you like, do whatever you want. Blow any consequences, just think of you and your happiness and your uh, pleasures and so on. That's the kingdom of this world. But there's a fabulous kingdom, which is ever so small at the moment, 
but it's getting bigger and bigger. And this kingdom of God, this kingdom of the heavens, this kingdom is in the hearts and lives of every true believer. Now, if you have the kingdom of God in you and you're letting your light shine, God will start to show you things and teach you things that you'd never, ever thought of before. In Matthew's gospel, it's a wonderful gospel. It's divided into five clear teaching segments. And they all relate to the kingdom. There's the coming kingdom, which I want to talk about later. But there's also the ethics of the kingdom. And in these days, there is such a challenge, I believe, for the Christians in our society to live moral and good and upright and truthful and righteous lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, we hear of so many people in leadership and so on who fall churches that are led by people who've fallen into dreadful sin. And that is, that's awful. That is absolutely awful. But I also know that there, but for the grace of God, go I. And so those people in leadership, those people who've fallen, what has taken them away out of the light and the life and the truth to choose the other kingdom of this world? You know, the kingdom of this world, according to the book of Revelation, is called Babylon. And it tells us quite clearly that this Babylonian system, that one day this is, this is going to fall. And it's very interesting if you read it in the book of Revelation because it tells us, tells us quite clearly that when this system, this Babylonian system, this system of the world falls, it says the merchants of the earth are weeping and crying and wailing. Merchants, the buyers. <laughs> Why is that? Because some trust in chariots and some trust in horses and some trust in the economic system of this world. Some put all their hope in the medical system of this world. And I'm not knocking any of those in a measure and in the right place. Thank God for them. But when they become your God, when they become your answer to everything, and you do not seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Can we show that, Joel, please? That's what it says clearly. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus' teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, began in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. He went up the mountain and he got the people to sit down and he taught them. And in the discourse, in the teaching that follows, he says this. This is a, reaching the climax of his message. Seek second his kingdom. Sorry. Seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The destiny that God has got for you. The plan that God has got for you. It might mean a fundamental change. It might mean you letting go of where you are in your position. In your job. In your situation. But when you let go of the things in God's name. And for God's glory. And by God's leading. 
And they're all very important. And when you seek the Lord and his righteousness, and this is where the battle is today in our society, that righteousness is moving off the face of our earth. People are not righteous in their dealings. People are not righteous in their speaking, their attitude. And it's a gift of God that keeps us there. It's his righteousness. It's not my righteousness. Every time I've tried, I've failed. But this is a gift of God. That if you are in Jesus Christ, his strength will strengthen you. His life will enliven you. His love will overwhelm you. Glory to God. And that's why as we follow his kingdom, as we make that choice, this is the road I'm going on. It's a narrow way, but it's a highway. And you know, it's not just conditioned by this world. We have a great picture, an old one from Victorian times of the broad and narrow way. And the broad way is just flat. And the narrow way is just going higher and further away from the kingdom of Babylon. Now, God doesn't want you to be conditioned and ruled and controlled and held by Babylon. God wants you, full stop. Some people think that once you just make a decision and put your hand up in a meeting, that that's it now, you're saved forever. Well, I'm sorry if I upset people, but I don't believe that. I don't see it. I don't believe that is in Scripture because it tells me, yet there's a beginning point and I need to make a step in the right direction. But as the old prayer book said, it's the continuance of the same. You need, once you get on this journey of righteousness and truth and holiness and godliness, you have to stay in it. We were saved, but we are being saved. And yet there's a future because there's a fullness of salvation. And that fullness of salvation, do you know when it comes? When the Lord returns from heaven, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, and we will be changed in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. This is the gospel. This is the gospel message. Now, so many people say to me, well, you know, there have been all sorts of people who've talked about the times of the end and you just get confused and mixed up and I, I just don't go along there. If it happens, it happens. That is not the hope that they had if you read the Bible. That is not the teaching of the, of the early church. It said every man that had this hope in him about the return of Jesus Christ, it kept him pure as he didn't know when the Lord from heaven would descend, when that trumpet, when that shofar, that heavenly shofar will be sounded. I have a great friend. He's now in Manchester, but he was, he was uh, born over in Spain. And uh, when he, uh, one day, the Lord spoke to him about learning. He just, well, the Lord didn't speak to him at this time. Uh, he just felt inside of him he had to learn how to play a trumpet. Anyway, cutting a long story short, around the same time, he really met with the Lord. He got born again. And today, he's just a fantastic player. Goes all over the world. Peter will tell you. Plays at, a, at uh, the, the great Feast of Tabernacles that we ha have each year, which I'm still waiting for some of you to come to. 
Anyway, he was just amazed that one day he was in clubs everywhere playing trumpets and highly thought of our bookings forever when God said to him, seek first the kingdom of God. He radically changed. He got his priorities right. He went God's way. Bookings dropped. But the kingdom life just increased. I was just away a few months ago and I happened to meet Lady and her husband from Spain. And this lady and her husband, they, they were his pastor. They were pastoring him. When after he'd come through this experience, I said to him, isn't this incredible? I'm here in Jerusalem sitting next to someone from Spain who uh, has had such an influence on someone in Manchester where we live near to. You do not know what plan God has got for you until you start walking in pathways of righteousness and truth. And you know, there needs be no compromise in your life. You will be attacked on every front to compromise. It says in the last days, the love of many will what? The love of many believers will grow cold. And they will begin to hate God's law. Now, um, technically, we call that antinomianism. Bit of a mouthful, but anti means against nomos, means law. So it's against the law. What law? The law of our nation. Well, sadly, no. Because you should be standing up against some of the laws of this nation. And we should be making a declaration that some of the laws in this land are an abomination. Now, I mightn't be around to see it if the law tarries. But for younger people, you're going to make, have to make, if you want to go on the pathway of righteousness, more powerful stands, not less. People say, oh, I'd just like to keep my head down and my mouth shut and get on with it. Some people trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we will remember what? The name of the Lord our God, hallelujah. They are brought down and fallen, says the scripture. But we are raised, raised uprightly. God wants you to walk uprightly. God wants you to walk through this world in white, not in your own garments and your own strength, but in the glorious heavenly garments that Jesus Christ gives to us. It's no good as I did so often. Just see the holy God and angels and so on. And yeah, I could believe in all that, but could I be changed? And at the time, many, many years ago, I belonged in a church where I grew up and I used to pray this prayer at least twice on a Sunday. Oh God, have mercy on me. I'm a miserable sinner. I've left undone the things I ought to have done. And done those things that I should not have done. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Still remember it. Forget a lot of things, but I still remember that. And I used to say that. And one day God spoke to me, saying that prayer. And you know what he said to me? Why are you still saying you're a miserable sinner? Don't you believe that my blood has cleansed you? That you've been washed and redeemed? And you have fresh robes of righteousness? Ah, when God speaks, you don't answer back. <laughs> There's nothing you can say. And I knew that that's the truth. Yes, there's this amazing 
miraculous God in heaven. Transcendent. That's why they build big cathedrals, they believe. It was just to, to emphasize the bigness of God. But you forgot as well that God was still the still small voice. He wasn't, he wasn't just up there. He was imminent amongst us, in us. Glory to God. Oh, that God's people would walk in pathways of righteousness and truth and holiness. This is what makes the difference. And I tell you what, fear, and we see terrible fear just now, in this present season. And do you think that fear is going to go away? It's going to increase. No fear for those who are in Christ Jesus. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from what? Sorry, some people know it loud, please. All my fears, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Glory to God, fear free. Now that doesn't mean that again, you are not uh, to be sensible. You know, you don't have to say, well, I'm going to walk across the River Mersey this afternoon. When you need grace, you get grace in time of need. But you don't tempt God either. But deep inside, that your spirit can be one with the Lord. That you can just have this wonderful, heavenly, divine communion. To be at peace with God is the most amazing thing. To be out of sorts with God, to be going back to darkness, is a terrible thing. And it's not just terrible because I'm the preacher and say, oh, tut, tut. No, it's because it will lead you to your destruction. My wife was reading to me uh, the final words of some famous men the other day. Now, that will surprise her because she said, you never listen to me. <laughs> and she was re reading all these quotes out. And it's amazing. People who have been atheists and very well known. And all of the ones that were read out, do you know what? They all cried on their deathbed. Because historically, and Alan will tell you this, they used to record the last words that people, people said. And the, these, all of them, they bitterly regretted what they put out into the public arena and how they'd influenced people in negative and bad and godless ways. But do you think God would hear their cry? Somebody said it. Absolutely. You know, that there'll be some surprises when you get to heaven. There'll be some people there. And I've seen it. Sadly, I've been at the end of so many people's lives. Most people, you, they just go to be with the Lord and it's wonderful. Even though it's so sad. But I've seen people just come to the Lord with their last breath. Wow. We don't have to leave it that late. Because, you know, Jesus said, if you follow him, it's not just in, in the life to come, but in this life, you will be blessed. I'm a blessed man. Got a blessed family. Because God has favorites. No, God does not favourites. You're all his favourites. When God chose the Jews, and people don't like that expression, the chosen people, but they were chosen for a purpose of God. 
I remember one Jewish guy saying, well, I, I, I wish I hadn't been chosen. <laughs> he didn't like all the hassle that was going on. But you're chosen. You have a destiny and a plan. Put up that next scripture, will you, Joel? Do you pray this? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is not just a geographical place, although I believe God is coming back to a geographical place. But the kingdom means the reign of God, the rule of God. And so when these great empires, they would rule over the most obscure island that we'd never heard of, but they were still under the rulership of that kingdom. And if you belong to the kingdom of God, you need to look up the rules of the kingdom of God. And also, it's very handy this job. <laughs> and also, in this kingdom of God, the kingdom values and the kingdom truths, you need to read what the Bible says they are. And you'll find them contradictory to dictates that are being issued in governmental and authoritative circles today. Are we called to be disobedient and to be antinomianism against the laws of the land? No. We render unto Caesar what is Caesar, but we give unto God what is God. Isn't this uh, the crusade? Um, with being out uh, of the country for a month or so, I've lost a touch, but the um, Billy Graham son, Franklin, is that on or off? At the moment, it's off. Why? Well, some people are saying on, okay? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter, tell me later on. But the point is that people dictate and say, this man's said this, that, and the other. And I've read some of the things, and I'm sure that you have. And I've, what I've read of what Franklin said, I don't disagree. I've probably said it myself, but no one's really bothered about that. But, <laughs> but the important thing is that suddenly everything is cancelled and Christians are told, you know, you're just weird, you're strange, you're extreme. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> what I see in this world, I don't want it. I've seen too many wrecks. I've seen too many wrecked lives, shipwrecked people who think that they've had it all and they've had nothing. But for those who cry, let your kingdom come, just ask God to reign in you. Reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And you know, the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit can say to you, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't say that. And he can also say, go here. Go and do that. God is a speaking God. Can you put the next scripture up, Joel? Not too many more points I want to make. Only about 20. Uh, no, that's not the one. Uh, Sorry, did you do that quote? Did you type that in for me? Can you put that on first? Keep coming. 
Well, you're getting the Bible into you anyway. <laughs> See if you can, that's it. I love this translation in Matthew 12. The kingdom of heaven is powerfully breaking out into the world and violent men are strongly attacking it. Right? The kingdom of heaven is powerfully breaking out into the world. Now, I'm privileged, I'm honored, and I'm blessed because I see people and meet with people from all over the world. I get stories um, from, from every, every, every nation. I meet with people from every nation. And when I see this phrase, in India, I've just been uh, talking with a guy that's fabulous what's happening in parts there. The kingdom of heaven is powerfully breaking out into the world. Now, do you believe that? Now, if you believe that, who has the kingdom of heaven inside of them? Are you getting it? <laughs> so if you just keep silent, the psalmist said, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any that go down in silence. God has given you a mouth, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. You should be speaking out against unrighteousness. You should be speaking out against untruth and filthiness and everything else that we're just bombarded with day and night. You should be making a stand for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is powerfully breaking out in all parts of the world. And where people are speaking out, mighty things are happening. Where people are silent, the church is just imploding. Are you going to be a powerful speaker, a powerful breaker out for God? That's what the Lord wants. But also notice in this, violent men are strongly attacking it. And isn't that so true today? There's a marvelous book written by Dennis Prager on anti-Semitism. And it goes, traces it through the ages, Prager's a, a, a Jewish a, a scholar. And he says this, Actually, when you really try and understand what it's about, it's about four things. He said, but the first thing and the main thing is that the people hate the God of the Jews. And Christians aren't separate from the Jews. It says that we're grafted in to the Jewish roots, Romans 9 to 11. Read it. And we're put in there. And so if they hate the God of the Jews. They hate the God of the Christians. Why? Because the God of the Christians, the God of the Jews, challenges the gods of this world. The materialism, the other gods, you mightn't call them gods, but they are gods. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let those that hate him flee before him. This is not a day for retreat, this is a day for advance. We need no longer be dictated to by the things of this world. We need to be dictated to by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which is proceeding out of the mouth of God. Just put up that uh, psalm, would you, Joel, please? Keep going. I'll sing a hymn while we're waiting. 
the Revelation 9. As Karen Crichton will tell you, whatever she is. Do you know, it's Revelation, you you need to read Revelation. Many people say it's so hard to understand. I don't read it. Even Luther and Calvin dismissed it. Tragic. Because we're living in the days, the the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Wow. I better not preach on that. Where's it gone? (laughs) Hadn't finished. Hadn't started, actually. (laughs) Revelation 9. Anyway, why is, why is pulling it up? That's it. And the, the seventh angel and the seven trumpets and so on. There was a loud voice in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, Christ the Messiah, same word, one Greek, one Hebrew. And he will reign forever and ever and so this kingdom seek first the kingdom which started small maybe just a little mustard seed in your heart it's getting bigger and bigger and all these troubles in the world and there's more coming terrible things are going to happen and people will get more and more afraid but then there's going to be such a breakthrough and the trumpets will sound And the dead will be raised and the Lord himself will appear from heaven. And if you don't believe this, you don't believe uh, two-thirds of the New Testament. And if you do believe it, you will say Maranatha, which means, O Lord, come. And it says the kingdoms of this world. Babylon has fallen. And there's a kingdom that we've prayed to come, that will come on this earth. That this age will come to a close. And God will appear on this earth. And he will reign. And initially it says that he will reign for a thousand years. And if he reigns, he's got to have people who will be in the government. The government's on his shoulders. But he's got people in the governmental positions to rule and reign. A kingdom of priests. And do you know who that is? Three people know. It's true believers. Hallelujah. So whatever you go through in this age and in this life, it's only preparing you. You're destined to reign. You're destined for the throne. You're destined for the glory of God. And one day, all these kingdoms, the merchants will weep. People will be devastated. They'll have lost everything, they thought. But those who know the Lord will have gained everything. Because there's a kingdom, a wonderful kingdom, a miraculous kingdom. And it's coming soon. Hallelujah. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Let your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, and let your will be done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm just going to close with one psalm, and then I'll begin my sermon. (laughs) Here we go. Isn't this true for Christians? And remember, this is before the Lord Jesus was manifest on the earth. It's in the Psalms. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip, in other words, snarling. They wag their heads. Ridiculous. Commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver you. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. The next verse. Hmm. 
not only going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You have a destiny. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Hallelujah. Let's read the next verse, Joel. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There's none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. All the enemies come against me. They open wide their mouth at me. They sneer like a roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up and so on. Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers. Next verse. And I can count all my bones. This is a, a very hard, difficult time, isn't it? They divide my garments. Now, we get that this is prophetic as well. Speaking about the Lord. Speaking about his people. It's speaking about the Lord. Long before he was born. This is prophecy. And if prophecy was fulfilled when Christ came, don't you think prophecy will be fulfilled when he comes again? But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Is that the final verse on that 21? Didn't think so. Deliver my soul from the sword. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answer me. This is the, the cry. And then what? This is it. I will tell of your name. I will speak out your promises. I'll speak out about what you're doing. I will tell people there's no need to be afraid. There's no fear. In the midst of the assembly, that's here. I will praise you. Hallelujah. We need to stand up, lift up holy hands to heaven and praise the Lord and not be ashamed. You who fear the Lord and the fear of God is not like the terror that is spoken of. It's, it's a righteous uh, fear of his holiness and greatness. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you descendants of Israel. Let's just stand together. And the scripture tells us quite clearly in the New Testament, I would that all men everywhere would lift up holy hands. Let's just raise our hands to heaven. God wants us to be a people who will raise their hands in the honor and the glory of his name. And in the midst of the congregation, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, Lord, we just ask that your glory, Lord, will touch us again. I pray for every fearful heart, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, all fear will go. Lord, that you would give us a spirit of boldness, a spirit to speak out, Lord. You've not given us a timid spirit, but you've given us a boldness and a sound mind, Lord. You've given us a pathway to walk, a way of righteousness and holiness and truth. And Lord God, may every person here, Lord, be walking on that way, Lord, that righteous way, that true way, Lord God. And as we give ourselves to you in this week, Lord God, in this time of fear in the nations, Lord God, lift us above these things, Lord, for our trust is in you. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done on this earth, Lord. Use each man, each woman, each boy, each girl to tell of your glories and of your praise, Lord. And above all, Lord, 
We just pray that hasten that day when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and you, Lord, and you alone will reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please sit down.